0: Christ is alive he rose from the dead in that day that Easter Sunday morning that first Easter when Mary and Mary Magdalene in Siloam went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body they saw the angel sitting there and they said where is Jesus the angel said he is not here he is risen he is not here He has conquered the grave!
1: He's alive! Well, that'll give me chills. Man, that's so good. Uh, Billy Graham, anytime I hear some Billy Graham. Oh, my goodness. Uh, If you... That is some... You know what? You know what, as a a pastor, is actually like a little bit difficult? is to hear Billy Graham going right before you're about to preach. You know what I'm saying? Who put that together? Oh my goodness. Hey, I am so excited uh, for what God is going to be doing in our lives over these next few weeks. In this uh, Palm Sunday service, I believe God has a word for us as a church to really connect us and put us on mission for this uh, monumental week that awaits us. As part of uh, the church and I want to get to the message in a moment but Pastor Troy just talked about Easter for a minute. Let me talk a little bit more about, about Easter. As Pastor Troy said, uh, it is a great week to be inviting. In fact, it's the best week. Of the 52, this is the one where an unsearched person is most likely to say yes to an invitation to, to church. In fact, there's one study that says up to 80% of unchurched people would say yes. To an invite to church on Easter Sunday In fact, I've got some neighbors that I've already invited twice In this, just this Easter Like not like, I mean like before I mean like I saw them outside And I was like, yo, let me slip you one of these Gave them an Easter invite And then I had my kids staple these To some Easter eggs And walked them over and knocked on the door A couple days later and said, hey, here's my kids With some invites for you And so we're just excited about what God Is going to do, it's going to be so incredible I want a couple a couple things uh, to let you know for next week. If you don't have a guest coming with you, I would actually invite you to attend the one o'clock service. And the reason I would say that is just to make room in the kind of prime time slot for guests. So if you're not sure, if you know when your guest is going to come, show up at that service. And if you're just not sure, I would say to our church, just make the one p.m. Let's have a party at the one p.m. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great Sunday in church. Now another thing I want to
0: say is, if you're with us last.
1: You might remember that we did a spiritual survey we're going to have these cards again this year we want to give people a moment of decision to say what would your next step look like so we'll have the cards on the seats and what i want to invite you to do is actually ask you to participate and if if you've done it before you'll be thinking well i've already done this before i don't need to fill up this card again but there's going to be somebody on your row who's here for the first time and is going to be watching you to see whether you engage and you participate. So from start to finish, let's be engaged and all, all in, and all uh, leading it in worship as well as uh, filling up the spiritual survey. And then the final thing I would say is this, is uh, first of all, if you're on our dream team, thank you in advance for serving. It's going to be a great day to serve people. That's about one out of every two people in our church on our dream team. But I want to say for next Sunday, everybody's on the team. You're a, I commission you, dream teamers, on Easter Sunday. It's going to be amazing. So that means if you see someone wandering around, it looks like they don't know where they're going. Well, that's your opportunity to say, "How you going? How can I help you?" Uh, let's live up to the reputation that I have heard people speak about our church many times, and that's just not that we're a very friendly church, but that I believe, and let me call it out in us, that we're a church that sees people. And so, say hi. See people, serve people. We can do this together. We're all on team, on mission together. Does that sound breathing? Really? And can I get a little uh, amen from the house this morning, a little amen? Then come on, Pastor, let's go. You're ready for Palm Sunday. Today, I want to speak a message that I just, it's a, it's a simple message. I believe it has the potential to, um, like those little, like, you know, if you're, if, uh, what are those paddles called? Where you're like restarting a heart, kind of just like jump-starting, what's that called? Doesn't matter. The fit, whatever, the fit, the fit machine. Or not? that doesn't sound good. But anyways, I believe this simple message has the power to jump-start the heartbeat of our church. Not that we're dead and dying. No, that's not it at all. Just to actually get it back on the beat of the Father. Oh, I really am excited to speak this morning on Palm Sunday. Each one of the Gospels talks about Sunday. The Gospels are the, the four accounts of the life of Jesus in the Bible, Matthews, Marks, Luke, and John's. Today I want to focus in on how Luke describes uh, this Palm Sunday. And I want to speak a message called A Week to Live. One Week to Live, because what we see in the final actions of Jesus in this week before he would go to the cross is really, I believe, what matters most to God. Jesus had always been living on mission, of course, but these last few days, we see the narrowed focus of what matters most to God. So Luke picks up the story for us, and Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, and Luke actually gives us a a picture of Jesus in an emotional space. Jesus in an intimate and tender scene. Luke describes it this way. He says, when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. Now, what amazes me about this is that Jesus, in this week before he would go to the cross, the very first thing we see from Jesus is that he pauses and he sees people, and he's got compassion for where they're going Jesus is not looking at the weight of the mission that he's got to accomplish. He's looking at the people he's on mission for. He's not looking at the cost of the cross. He's looking at the people he would go to the cross for, and he's moved with compassion for what they're going through. Why does he cry? Luke tells us. In fact, Jesus says says it out loud. He says, just a few verses later, Jesus says, you did not know the time of your visitation. This is why he's crying. In other words, you just did not see what I wanted to do in your life. It's not that people didn't know Jesus was there. It's that they didn't see what he wanted to do in their lives. Isn't this a picture of our culture today? Where most people would say that they believe in God, but they don't have an active, engaged walk of faith in any way. They believe Jesus is there, they just don't see how much he wants to do in their lives. And Jesus looks at that, and he and he weeps. He says, you didn't know the hour of your visitation. Matthew tells us, Matthew's gospel, recording the same story, says that everyone knew that Jesus was there. And this is what Matthew said. He said, when, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. And so when Jesus said, you did not know the hour of your visitation, he's not saying, you didn't know I was there. He's saying, you knew I was there, and you just couldn't grasp what I wanted to. Here's what I believe this means for us. I do not want to get to the end of my life and have just known that Jesus was around. I want to get to the end of my life and know that I engaged and participated in everything that he wanted for me. I want to get to the end of my life and not just know that he was present and sometimes I was nearby. I want to know everything that God had called me to. Let this sink into your hearts. When God looks at you, And he sees some area of his will for your life that remains unfulfilled. He's not looking at you with frustration. He's not looking at you in anger. He's looking at you with a spirit of compassion, maybe even to tears. And he's saying, hey, I've got more for you that I want to bring you into. What we see, the very first action of Jesus on this week of preparation. What is it? It's a focus on people. Can can I call us to mission together as a church? Can I bring us back onto mission? Let me set up this idea of mission uh, this way. Um, With with our, our kids and parents in the room, you might have experienced this as well if you've got multiple kids. With our first child, we wrote down all the firsts. Like all of them. She would do anything for the very first time, we would just pause and sit down and calmly write it down. Now, I love all the kids the same. But I do not write down the firsts of the other kids. Because if I was to try to pause and write something down for a while, and one of the girls would get up on the couch, jump on him, and break his face. Like, the only way I'm gonna know what his firsts were is if somebody records it and captures it on video. Only way I'm gonna know. We don't have time to write it down. You think I'm joking. This week, uh, actually, one of our girls got some scissors and chopped off some of her sister's hair. Well, Rachel was like five feet away. You can't leave them alone for a minute. You can't write down their firsts on the third one. But you remember the first one. Avia, her first word was mom. And Rachel's actually won this battle three times. She's close to winning it on the third, because she's already starting to form the "m" mm sound. And I'm like, don't you dare, son. You're a boy. Do it. Avia's second word was data. Her third word was bacon. I narrowly beat bacon. <laughs> Her first sentence that I really remember, that it just stands out for me was, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. She would spill milk right before your face and look up at you and say, I didn't do it. I'm like, girl, I saw you spill the milk, I didn't do it. She would wake up from a nap and say, like just wake up, sit up, and you just hear over the baby monitor, I didn't do it. Like, didn't do what? You're in a crib. tell this story. It is difficult in life to get our eyes off the urgent. It is difficult in life to get our eyes off the mess. Mission is the thing that pulls our eyes off of the mess and puts it back to meaning. And so I want to talk this morning about a week to live because I want to get us refocused in on mission. Like for me in my own life, I need constant reminders of mission. I start my day with journaling. At 6.05, I have an alert that goes off on my phone with three words I'm trying to live out in 2019. I've got a brand new screen lock on my screen uh, of my phone that has a picture of the
0: family and a mission
1: statement for my family to daily lead them in the joy of knowing Jesus. I need, every time I, I look at my phone or I have an alert go off, I just need a reminder of mission to pull my eyes off of the urgent because all of us will get stuck in the mess of the middle, and the mess of today and get our eyes off of mission. And what I want to do today is kind of just preach to the heartbeat of the house. To be a place that remembers our mission, that we're passionate about people. That when Jesus
0: looked at a group of people that were far from him and hadn't experienced all that he wanted
1: them to do, it wasn't with some rigid, I will love you, and I hope you get this, and if you don't get it, well, you don't get it. No, it was with a heartbeat so connected to the heart of the Father, that when someone didn't experience all that he had for them, he would weep with compassion and say, oh, I've got more for you. I want to bring you into more. Maybe you're here this morning and you're new to church and you're just kind of discovering the faith journey. You're just like, I don't know what I believe yet, but I'm coming to church. And this morning, God, I believe we'll be speaking to you and saying, I've got more for you. I I want to not just be a part of your life. I want to be the centerpiece of your life. Maybe you're here in church today and you've been coming to church for a long time. And for you now, your faith journey looks like sometimes making it to church. And you think this is the part of the service where the pastor's like, you got to come to church it. It's not. No, I want to just remind us of the heart of God that when he looks at you and sees that piece that's still missing from what he wants to do in your life. He is so passionate for you, church, that he would actually break down and cry. Come on, church, in this week of mission, could we be a church that sees beyond ourselves and sees our street? and sees people that God wants to do something in, that we would be a passionate people focused on mission. Because God just does not want your hands engaged in his mission dream teamers, church. No, he wants your heart connected to what we do mission for, people. 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 second thing we see is right after this, in this text, Luke tells us, is Jesus calls us to something else that is important in this week of focus and preparation. Luke says, as he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold, he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Second thing we see after a focus on people is a focus on prayer. If you don't have a lifestyle prayer, this is a good week to get one going. To pray for our church services next week. To pray for people far from God. Pray for me. God help pastor, have your heart. Speak your word boldly. This is a great week to get on some prayer together. Because Jesus is saying, hey, everything that I want to do in this final week. Hey, come on, it starts and finishes with prayer. When Jesus said, my house should be called my house of prayer. He was actually quoting. Something that God had said to the prophet, uh, not Elijah, Isaiah. And I think when we go and look at what God actually said in full to Isaiah, we, we begin to grasp a little bit more what Jesus was saying here. So let's rewind to the text. In Isaiah chapter 56, this is the full text of what God said to Isaiah. He said, And the foreigners, modern translation, and the people in your world far from you who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, holds fast to my covenant. Watch this, these I will bring my holy mountain. So I'm going to bring some people that right now are far from me, and I'm going to bring them close to myself. And what does God want to do in their lives? And make them joyful in my house. Come on, how many are glad church was never meant to be endured? God wants to bring people into a place where they experience what? Joy. In his presence. How does God do it? How does God want to lead someone from far away to a place of joy? Watch this. He said, because my house is going to be a place of praise." So the thing that's going to take someone from far away to close to God and enjoy in his presence. It's, it's prayer for people. And I love these last two words. It's all people. God's saying through Jesus. Jesus, like in the words of Joel Houston, Jesus walks into the temple and it gets rowdy. <laughs> that new United element in the bridge of the one song Joel's like it's about to get rowdy. Well, this is this is Jesus getting rowdy in the temple and flipping over tables and saying, hey, we've lost the heartbeat of praying for people who aren't yet here. Prayer for all peoples. Well, what does this mean for us as, as a church? I, I believe maybe, I've been around church long enough to see that a group of people left to themselves will always make it about themselves. And the church is not something that we, as if you're a Christian in the room, that we do, we gather together, it's like, let's get together on Sunday and kind of have our little Christian social club and kind of just get away with the weight of the world. No, church exists to reach beyond ourselves, to be a place that focuses on other people and to be a place, wherever God has moved in history, it's been because some men And some women said, I am going to pray for somebody who's not here right now. It's a call and a passion in the heart of Jesus to call us to prayer. Now, you don't have to be an expert to engage in a life of prayer. This is the worry that a lot of people have. Like, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. Thank God you don't really, God's not looking for your perfection. He wants your participation. He'll take care of the perfection side of the equation. He wants your participation, which could mean God, I don't even know what to pray right now. I would just invite that you would do what you only can do. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. If that's the only prayer you've got, that's a good one. God, I pray for those who are going to be in this room next week, that are far from you, that are going to be filling the seats of this place, and they're just not walk down praying for them. I pray that you would just, just open their hearts, that you voice. Help, help me, God, to actually see people. Help. I just pray for the invites. I don't even know
0: what to pray, God. I'm, I'm participating, just believing that we can be on mission
1: for people beyond ourselves. Jesus says, my house, is going to be a call to house of prayer. This is why we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then we hit August, and we do 21 days of prayer. That's why right now, in fact, right before I came on stage to preach this message, I saw our prayer team out back praying for you as this service would go on. And right now, there's people praying that your heart would just be open to what God wants to speak to you. Focus on people, and then prayer for people. Are you with me so far? It's simple, but it's the heartbeat. It's Jesus taking. He knew he would only have three years to, to minister, from when he when he started public ministry at the age of thirty, and he would go to the cross at the age of. So he was always on mission. But when you've only got a few days left, it narrows the focus to that which matters the most. One week to live. The final thing that we see as we fast forward now more towards the end of the week is we see an invitation. Jesus gives an invitation. He told two of his disciples, Peter and John, he said, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Jesus gives an invitation to his disciples. Come, let's have dinner, come be with me. come. It's an invitation, let's be together. Recently I got a text message from Rachel. And it said, did Abby get invited to so-and-so's birthday? And when I got the message, I was like, oh no, I forgot. I must have missed something, because I have been to do this. Like from time to time, I will miss some things. I'm like, well, I know this mom really well. And I know she didn't mention anything about the birthday. I she didn't give me anything, so I didn't, I didn't miss it. So as I'm thinking about this, it kind of dawns on me the phone call that I'm about to have with Rachel. I realize that she's picking Avia up from school. And Avia must be the only girl that, that didn't give me anything. Now my dad heart starts ticking, you know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go off. I'm about to phone up Rachel and say, I'm gonna drive over to their house. I'm gonna say, where was Abby's invite? But then I phoned Rachel and realized I was gonna have to be the stable parent in the conversation. Because Rachel didn't just wanna go over to the house. Rachel wanted to fight the parents of this little girl. Because watch this, not only was Abby the only one that didn't get an invitation, the parents had shown up at preschool and given thank you gifts to everyone who had come. And Rachel and Abby watched as every girl in the class but her got a thank you gift for coming to my party. And as I hung up the phone with Rachel, I sent into my office chair, and I was devastated. I was like, And about four seconds after I had that thought, I felt the Holy Spirit speak directly to my heart and said, that way that you feel about your baby girl right now, I feel that way all the time. Because I got a daughter that lives on your street that needs an invitation. I got a son that lives just down the street from you that needs an invitation. Don't miss my girl. Don't miss my boy. As a church, we do not exist to throw parties for ourselves. We exist to make sure that there's nobody in our cities that don't get an invitation to them. Next week, we are going to make history as a church, not just because we're going to have three services on a Sunday for the very first time, but because we are going to reach further than we've ever reached into the heart and the people of our city to say, there's an invitation for you. You might not make it, you might not come, but I am not going to be the reason that his daughter and his son did not know that there was a party that they were invited to. Come on, somebody. Please stand together Father, I thank you that in your house today, there is a... It's just a resurrection today of a heartbeat that we need to have. I thank you that your church, that our house always has this house. But today, God, get our heart beating with yours in your presence. God, I pray that our hearts would would just feel the weight of your passion for people this week. would actually be reminded to pray for those who aren't here. And God, our heart would be to make an invitation for your sons and your daughters in Jesus' name.
0: Come on, church, let's worship. I'm chosen, not for sale
1: church, didn't even really say that much, just had a picture of them in church, and this person thought that they should go to church, and I think it's such a
0: powerful story that all you need to do to make an invitation sometimes is
1: just talk about what God's doing in your life in this place, and so we got a selfie ball for you. Sometimes I get up here and I just rail against the bad parts of social media because it isn't social, but then... <laughs> But then there are times where it's like, well, let's leverage this thing and let some people know. Hashtag, Resonate Easter. God's movement in the house. And then of course, you've got these invite cards as well. and Don't forget to grab them. And if you would forget, like me, I get home and I'm like, where are those invites? Oh, they're sitting on the armrest. Go ahead and grab them right now. But I wanna pray for us as a church. I wanna pray for us. I think it's just so important that we're continuously reminded of mission and vision. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? To get us out of the mess, to remind us of what really matters. So let me pray for us once again. Father, I pray for the heartbeat of this house to be so connected to your heart. God, I thank you that in this final week, we saw the week start off with you weeping over people that you love. Thank you, God, that that I think if we're doing church really well, we are the funnest, happiest place in the world and we cry for people. I pray that we would do both well. Now maybe you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I didn't really preach a salvation message this morning, but the simplicity of salvation as God has always intended it for your life, was that he would send his son Jesus to take the penalty of all of our sin and guilt and shame and on the cross of Jesus Christ, he would surrender his life so that we can be forgiven and free. There's a part of us that struggles with that because we actually be the one we wanna be the answer to our own salvation needs, but God said, no, you can't do it. I did it for you and I now give it to you as a gift on the basis, not of your actions, but of faith. And so if you're in the room this morning, you'd say, I wanna close the gap between me and God today. All you need to do is faith. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I'll invite you to pray along with me. You don't have to come to the front. It won't center you out in any way. But if today you're saying, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? As today I want to make a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. In a moment, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'll just give you a moment of decision. That's just between you and God. It's a private moment of faith. If that's you in the room, you say, yeah, I want to make that decision today. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor. Include me in that closing prayer. That's me in the place today. Giving my life over to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray. If you raised your hand or maybe if you wanted to but didn't today and you're making a decision to come to Jesus, just pray this along with me to say, dear Jesus, I'm giving you my whole heart today. I'm making a choice to follow you. Thank you that by that faith and my belief in what Jesus did for me, you saved me. Forgive me. Make me a brand new person. I come alive spiritually. And I'm going to follow you. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody say Amen. 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 Come on church. Put our hands together for those who need us to see the Lord.